Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Who are the pure in heart? Who are the pure in heart? Would anybody want to stand up and say, I'm pure in heart? You better be able to. They're the blessed. Who are the blessed? Those who have the nature of God. For the nature of God is pure. What is God doing? Dwelling something that's unrighteous. Now, who are the blessed? Consistent blessed. Those who by conscious choice are willing to continue to live pure in heart. You see the two sides? Who are the pure in heart? The blessed. That's salvation. Who are the blessed, consistent blessed, living fully satisfied, living in that peace? Those who choose to live out their sanctification process. To line line up, (laughs) heat them up words, line up their actions with their nature. Okay, we have the meaning of pure in heart, absolutely pure, made righteous, justified. We have the maintenance of the pure in heart. For you see, even though it was once established, it needs to be maintained as we make those proper choices. The Bible says to redeem the time. You know what that means? To purchase the time. How in the world do you buy time? Because the way you buy time or purchase time is to choose things of a higher value over things of a lesser value. That's redeeming the time. Those of the higher value are those righteous things God has ordained us unto. Those of the lesser value are those things of the old way. And that's sin and unrighteousness. We redeem the time. So, we see the meaning of it, pure in heart. We see the maintenance of it. And I feel like you can see a balance in this. You won't run off and say, oh, listen, I just don't have to worry about sin anymore. Yeah, well, listen, that's not right. Because you live in a body of flesh, and that body of flesh will beat you, and it will fight you till the day you die. I guarantee you. Now, the motive of being pure in heart. This is really where I wanted to go. You always have to wade through the first two to get to where you want to go. The motive of being pure in heart. What would stimulate a person to be pure in heart? What would stimulate a lost man to want to know Christ? All right? He says, for they shall what? For they shall see God. Now, man has wanted to see God from the very beginnings of time. The Russian sends an astronaut way out in space, and he radios a message back and says, Hark, I've got good news. There's no God out here. That was good news to them. Now, what did he expect to see? (laughs) But man has always wanted to see God. And you see, when a person comes to understand he's helpless spiritually, he can never see God on his own efforts. He cries out unto God, God gives him his nature, and he begins to have revealed unto him that which he's always wanted to see, that which is God. That's interesting to me, some verses of Scripture I'm going to have you read with me. Look in John chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, I hope I've written these down right. Last week, it was really exciting when I got into some of the written down wrong, but I'm going to try. John chapter 1 and verse 18. It's real interesting. They shall see God, motive of being pure in heart. Now, watch. John chapter 1, verse 18. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. Uh Uh-oh. The Bible's full of errors. I knew it. Contradicts itself all the time. The only begotten Son was in the bosom of the Father. He had declared Him. No man has seen God. We've got a problem, haven't we? Let's look over in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. I love to do this because I know where I'm going and you don't. <laughs> First John chapter 4 and verse 12. First John chapter 4 and verse 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. But no man has seen God at any time. 
Now look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16. 1 Timothy 6, verse 16. Speaking of God, it says, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man can see, has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. When you walk outside and you say that you've seen the sun, and you look into the sun, can you look at it? No, you can't look at it. So therefore, you cannot say that you've seen the sun. You've seen only a part of the sun. Now, where are you going with all this? For they shall see God. What are you doing to us? Well, hang on. This is a beautiful point. All right. The finite could never see the infinite God. The only way that we could ever see anything of God at all is for the infinite to reveal himself to man. God must reveal himself to man. Man could never in all of his efforts ever see God. Just as the Russian declared on the, the astronaut. He said, God is not here. He's exactly right. For no man can see all the totality of God. The only way for man to see any of him is for God to reveal him. Now, look in Acts chapter 17. Just to back up the fact that man has always wanted to see God. Acts chapter 17. And the people without Christ will never, never see. Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. It says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hand, neither is worship with men's hands, as though He needed anything. See, He giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. Now, man has always wanted to feel God or to find God. Now watch this. Who are the ones who are allowed to see Him? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, there's something very interesting that happens in this verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, and it has a definite article before God. The God. Now that is very important. I've brought this up and stressed it many times. When the, the definite article is used, it's always there to identify. When it's not used, it's there to qualify. It's not there, so it qualifies. Now it's identifying something about God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the God. The context that we see God is established by God Himself. And you know what that context is? Ooh, look here. John chapter 14 and verse 7. I saw this and just wanted to shout and just shout and shout. Look here. God has decided to let some of Himself be revealed to man. He picks the context. No man could see all of God, for God is bigger than the universe. He is everything. He is existence. But listen, He has chosen a context through which He may let man see Him. John chapter 14 and verse 7. It says, if you had known me, Jesus speaking, you should have known my, what? Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Wait a minute, look at verse 9. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you? And Philip asked him to show him the Father. He said, have I been so long with you and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen my Father and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Do you know what God decided to do? He decided in the context of Christ to reveal to man what? 
Himself as Father. That's the way God wants to be revealed to man. We'll never see all of God, but God has chosen to allow man to see Him as Father. The context is established by Him and not us. We see Him as Father. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the article is used there, and he's talking about two different things. One's the Father, one's the Word. And God wanted the Word to be the revelation of Himself as Father to this earth. And so He sent Jesus onto this earth. And you and I can see God as Father. What a marvelous truth that God wants to reveal Himself as Father to you and I. Well, Wayne, I'll tell you what, I know I'm blessed and I know that God's done all these things, but I sure haven't seen a whole lot of anything. And I want to know why. Well, look in John 14 and verse 21. You want to see the Father? You want to see Him revealed as Father? My son sees me revealed as Father all the time. He sees me in kindness and firmness. He sees me in correction and discipline. He sees me in, in provision. He sees me in all these different ways. Father! Father, that's the way we can see God. We'll never see all of God, but we can see the Father aspect of God, for He has chosen that context to reveal Himself to man. And John chapter 14 and verse 21 tells us why some of us aren't seeing Him, and that goes back to something else in the Scripture. It says in verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, remember, the pure in heart, consistently choosing to line His actions up with His nature, and His nature is to do the will of the Father. Now watch. It says, He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will do what to him? Manifest myself to him. And when Christ manifests himself, it's God the Father in the Son manifesting his relationship to us as Father to children. Now friend, listen, if you're not walking pure in heart, you say, but Wayne, I'm justified. Hey, that's great. What are you doing about your sanctification? If you're walking, lining your actions up with your nature, do you know what's happening to you? You are seeing revealed in Christ God the Father in your life. You're seeing Him as provider. You're seeing Him as the discipliner of your life. You're seeing Him as the one who gathers you together and comforts you and admonishes you and instructs you and loves you. You see, that's God revealed to man as Father. Now, how does God keep us at the point of obedience? You know, it's interesting to me that God's means of purifying us seems to be the persecution and suffering and affliction of this world. That's strange. Suffering, persecution, and affliction. Wayne, don't preach that. I don't like that message. I like the kind of message that says, I'm going to get shot up with Jesus and go out of here and just everything's going to be a ball. I'm sorry, it's not in the Word. I can't find it. For it says, those that live godly lives shall suffer persecution. Why the persecution? Why the affliction? Why the tribulation that's in this world? Oh, my friend, God knows exactly what He's doing. When do you depend on God? When you've got everything going for you? No. No, you say you do. You let something fall out from under you and you'll watch in a hurry how fast you'll depend on God. In persecution, in times of suffering, in times of tribulation, that is a purifying fire. And as you're purified, your actions line up with your nature and reveal to you is the Father. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fires of tribulation. And as they fell in, it was three men bound falling. But as the king looked in, he saw four men loose walking. Who do they see? They saw Christ. Who do they see in Christ? It's the Father. Always the Father is revealed 
when we're pure in our heart. And the purifying fire of affliction and tribulation in this world is that which brings us into a total dependence on the Lord Jesus in our life. John on the Isle of Patmos, exiled. Didn't even know if there's any other Christians left on this earth. One day, as his actions and his nature had lined up, the Lord caught him up in the Spirit and gave him a revelation. He saw a door. He saw the door opened. And he saw a throne. And he saw one sitting upon the throne. Isn't that marvelous? Friend, listen. You say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, Wayne, but I haven't seen anything. Well, get your heart right. You're either not saved or you're very anemic spiritually. Get your heart right. Get in the Word and get those actions lined up with your nature that God has given you when He justified you. And I'll tell you what. You're going to see the Father, friend. You're going to see Him like you've never seen Him before. And it doesn't matter who in the world sees Him like you see Him. It's going to be your experience, not somebody else's. Don't you get tired sometime of reading books about what happens to other people? Don't you get tired of it? Don't you get tired of coming to church every Sunday? A man told me in Lexington, Mississippi, he said, Wayne, I love to hear you preach on the radio. I said, why? He said, so I can turn it off. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I said, well, let me tell you something, Mac. I tell you what, I think you're smarter than half the people that I preach to because most of them get up in the morning, fuss all the time, get breakfast ready. Finally, they leave, they bathe, they, they dress up, they put on all their best duds. They come to church, they sit in a church, and they will not listen to the Word of God. they hearers only. They're not doers of the Word. And they go home. Personally, you could have saved yourself a lot of time. Just stay home. Don't take the bath. Don't worry about it all and turn it off. You see? But my friend, if you're letting the Word of God do something in your heart, you're not looking to see how many other people are doing it. And in a Christian church today, we're always so critical of everybody else. Whether somebody is doing what we're doing. This friend, you're only concerned with the fact that you're getting to see your father. And seeing him as a father from a child is a marvelous experience. And God determined the context that man could see him. And he chose it to be as father. As a matter of fact, he calls us what? Children. Children with a father. Do you know your father this morning? Have you seen him in Christ? Have you seen his provision, his supplies, his chastisement, his discipline? Have you seen his love, his comfort? Have you seen him? Well, look with me in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And you can tell by some of the frustration in my voice, I'm not at all covering this. Oh, oh, it's so rich. I wished I had time. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12 tells us how this seeing really is. It's really not yet perfected. <laughs> we hadn't seen anything yet, folks. Oh, we're seeing a little bit. One day we're going to see it all. One day when we lose the limitation of the physical. And the Spirit departs this body. We're going to see it. See Him as He really is. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, For now we see through a glass darkly. We can only see a certain aspect of God. And that's Father. And He chose the context that we can see Him. But look what it says. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know even as I am known. Praise God for the day that Jesus comes to bring His church back into Himself. And we depart these old bodies, or the bodies are changed. It says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're going to see in full. The part that we can see Him here is His Father. And God chose the context, and it's revealed in His Son. Man wants to see God come to Christ. And you'll see the Father. And you'll see Him from a child's standpoint. Well, blessed are the pure in heart. I hope we've understood today the meaning of that. You have a righteous nature. 
The Word of God tells us we're brand new creations, made righteous. But you have a body of flesh, and it sure gives us a bigger problem, doesn't it? So we have to learn to make proper choices to line our actions up with our nature. And when we don't do that, that's qualified as sin, unrighteousness. And we must bring it before God, confess it, repent, and go on. But our motive is to see God. An experience that comes to my mind in closing, and I've shared with you, I think, once before. When I was in college, my freshman year, I kind of felt like I had graduated from church and everything. You and y'all go through that. And you went to school and just dumped the whole thing. All authority. I mean, uh, some of you are grinning. You know what? I can tell most of you did. Some of you are more holier than others, but it, most, some of you didn't. And I got there and I just dumped the whole thing. And I want you to know, folks, the bottom fell out. The bottom fell out. Because if you're not right spiritually, you're not right in any way. I can't wait till the night to show you all that. And so I remember one night studying for a psychology exam, and I had studied 17 hours all night long. You ever done that? But I hadn't studied the whole semester. <laughs> and I got into the student center that morning trying to cram or go back over. And you know what happened to my mind? It just went blink. It just cut off. It just got sick of the whole mess and just cut off. I couldn't remember my name. I couldn't have told you the name of the course, the book. Nothing would made any sense. And I suddenly realized what had happened, and I just couldn't have t- stood it. So I stood up in the middle of that student center, and I grabbed a table and took that table up and turned it over and just hollered. I said, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And everybody around me said, well, I wonder when he was going to crack. You know, he'd been watching me for a semester. I ran out across the campus, and I got out there and I thumbed. First car that would come my way. And it was a big old Cadillac, big old gray Cadillac. And it's interesting that always a car is ready to take you. Have you ever noticed that? You want to go? Come on, go. The old devil says, hey, i got a car waiting on you right outside. You want to get out of God's will? Super! That's what I wanted you to do. He's waiting on you, friend. Some of you are already out. Don't realize it. That's why you haven't seen anything. And you don't understand the Father. Well, I went, he took me to, he said, where are you going? I said, I don't know where you're going. He said, Concord, West Virginia. And I was in Bluefield, Virginia, but that's on the line of the West Virginia, Virginia line. And so I said, wherever you're going, I'm going. So we went to Concord, West Virginia. I got over there. By the time I got over there, L.C., I realized I didn't have any money to get back to what I'd done. I was about 40 miles as the crow flies. But as the highway was, it was a lot longer than that. If you've ever been to West Virginia, the cows have shorter legs on one side because they stand on the side of the hill. It's just all mountain. So I had to get back by myself. So on my way back, oh, me, I'd walk and I'd thumb and I'd walk and I'd thumb. And somebody picked me up and take me a half a mile, let me out, pick me up. You know, just nothing. It took me about six hours to get back. It didn't take me more than 45 minutes to get over or an hour, but it took me forever to get back. I got back on the campus. I was just weary. Aren't you that way sometimes, a Christian? When you've not been obedient, you're going to be the most weary individual on this earth. Because, see, the flesh wears out. Spirit never does. And I got on the campus, and here comes this old boy running out of the dorm. He came down to me and said, Wayne, Wayne. He said, I saw you leave the students here this morning. Don't say anything. Here's what you need to do. I never will forget that. So straight and blunt. He said, see that mountain up there? We had a mountain in front of the school. We had to pipe sunshine in. Did The sun didn't come up about 3 in the afternoon. It was huge. It just sat around the campus. He said, you need to go to the top of that mountain. And you and God better get right. I mean, he was tough. And you know what I said? Okay. You know why? Because I was desperate. You see, suffering and affliction is very definitely usable of God to purify. And I got up on top of the mountain, and I want you to know when I got up there, I was angry. You ever been angry at God? Oh, Wayne, I would never be angry. Well, God, you're a child, aren't you? He's your father. He's not going to slap you out of the kingdom just because you got a little angry. He's going to let you get it out, but he's going to deal with you. (laughs) And I began to be angry. Boy, I just told God everything I thought about it. He hadn't done this, and he hadn't done that, and he hadn't done this. Boy, I was just angry. Got all that poison out. And then after I got it all out, it was just, it was so beautiful. I can't explain it to you. It was just like I had the overwhelming sensation of God sitting there smiling at me. And I remember coming off the mountain, the, the clouds lifted, 
and the sky cleared. I don't know what that had to do with everything. But when I got down to the bottom, I still didn't realize what had happened to me. And one day, I was coming across the scripture in John 21 when Jesus came down to where the disciples were fishing. And it said they saw him, but they didn't recognize him. And it dawned on me. You know who that was that ran out of that dorm? That was Jesus, embodied in a man. And he came to me to instruct me of what to do if I really wanted to see my daddy. And I went up on that mountain, and I did it, and I saw him. How did I see him? I felt his love. I felt his compassion. You see, he's father, friend, not dictator, father. And that's the way he wants you to see. But you'll never do it unless you're pure in heart. It says in that scripture verse, last thing, the definite article is used there. Blessed are the pure in heart. The specific group of people that are pure in heart. Oh, yes, justified. I was pure. Wait a minute. What about now? What's your actions like? Lying don't ever see God. Well, my friend, if you'll come to the cross, Jesus will reveal him to you as Father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much just for being able to use that word. Oh, Father, that you right now have your arms around us, your children, as a mother hen gathers her chicks. Oh, Father, may we see you as you are, as you've chosen to be revealed in Christ. May we see you as we have made those choices to line up our actions with our nature that you've given us in Christ. And oh, Father, my heart goes out to my brothers and sisters that are here. For, Lord, I know that there are many who have never really seen you. Oh, God, if they're not saved, help them to realize they can go all through this world. They can go to another planet. They never see you. But help them to know if they come to know Christ in the personal experience of salvation, that they'll see you as Father. I love you, Father. I love you. I bless you by saying good things about you. And Father, I thank you that I'm your child. In Jesus' name. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org. 